Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello everybody and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the Internet's Most Explosive Comic Book and Pop Culture Podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm doing okay. How are you? 
I'm well, well, Matt. I got a, I got a little bit of a sore throat because the air is bad. The air has turned against me, Matt. It's it's always something. It's always one thing or another that is out to get us, and now it's the air. Now it's the air. And, oh, hey, and- how does it feel to also have um, movie release dates against you? That's right. Pay up, buddy. The Flash is out. Is it? Is yeah. it out right now? As we are recording this, is it out? It is. There are showtimes tonight. But it's not out yet. I'm looking up to see if it's playing right now. Yeah, that's but what I, I need it, to know. Because I think I right, still have I'm, time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm to change it. There will have to be a last-minute decision, an absolute last-minute decision to yank that movie out of theaters. It started playing at my local Regal Cinema at 9.40 p.m., and it is 9.48 as I speak. Damn it. I honestly, Matt, I can't believe it. I cannot. Like... Be be honest with me. Can you believe it? No, but it is. There's so much kitchen sinking going on in that movie to distract from the fact that that movie exists. It's like yeah, it's here's it's fucking wild. Michael Keaton Batman. Here's fucking Ben Affleck Batman. Here's fucking CGI Christopher Reeve. Spoiler alert. I don't mind spoiling that. Spoiler alert. I'm okay spoiling that. I'm okay, like, warning people about that. There's a lot of dead people in that movie, as I understand it. Like, people who died in real life who got put into a movie. And it ain't good. Not my favorite thing. Here's General Zod from that bad Superman movie. Here's no Flash villains. The existence of that movie makes me understand Captain Cold in a way that I never have before. <laughs> we're gonna like we're gonna end up movie fighting it, aren't we? Not like not like while it's out in theaters, but when it's no. on Max. When it's on Max. We probably will end up doing it, yeah. When it's on Friedman. it is such a like it's a wonder that it exists. And the more I hear about it, it's even more like, who is this movie for? How did it get made? Why were these decisions the decisions? There's so much that we've talked about, Matt. They keep making the first Batman movie. Right? They keep making the first Batman movie. We've gotten four first Batman movies. True. But they don't make the first movie for anyone else. Like DC. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Flashpoint should not be the first Flash movie. I mean, I guess the first, technically the first Flash movie was Justice League, but that's not Justice better. should not be the first Flash movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess Aquaman, like Aquaman was a... Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman got 
a first movie, even though yeah, it was Wonder the Wonder Woman was also like Wonder Woman was also weird because it was a World War One movie. True. Which I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's weird. Well, they couldn't make it a World War Two movie because of Captain America. Yeah, except for you know that that being the actual history of the character. Matt, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just saying. We are going to have to movie fight it because we have to talk about – I don't want to act, say any more spoilers if people are actually excited to see this movie. But the Superman that appears, that is not the one you mentioned, everything about that is baffling to me. Now, what's, uh, what's, that, what's that PayPal address? The.mwb? Is that you? <laughs> it's uh... – uh, for PayPal, it's it's uh, it's it's a different address that I don't want to say on air. We'll we'll talk about it later. Well, I owe you fifty dollars, and I can't believe it. We are doing Thursday Night Raw on the show this week. It's a Thursday Night Raw special. We are determining some and of this the is Raw a show with to topics. It's not just us talking about things. That's true. Before we get to that, though, we do have some segments that we do here at the top of the show, some business. And the first bit of business is thanking our supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who have gone all the way down to 640 Gimmick Street, which I know was something. I think it's Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Chuck E. Cheese. I think it was a Chuck E. Cheese. I think it, well, actually, I think it used to be a Chuck E. Cheese, and now it's a theater that is playing The Flash. <laughs> Starring a person who has committed several crimes. That's why they had to kitchen sink it. You gotta distract from the crimes. Like, basically like basically all of the rogues. Like, if you told me that that Ezra Miller had like was like throwing boomerangs at people or doing mirror crimes, I would uh-huh. have to believe you given the evidence. Well, in the real world, mirror crimes are cocaine. And <laughs> I would, I would believe that in a heartbeat. In the real world, and in Jeff Johns's Mirror uh, uh, Master Origin story, that's right. I know you loved it. <laughs> Look, there's one thing Matt Wilson loves: it's comics where people do cocaine. It was not cocaine; it was kryptonite. He was snorting kryptonite, and that was funny. He snorted like he was snorting cocaine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Did- while they're in line. At the uh, at the Gimmick Street, AMC Regal, Cinemark, Multiplex, one two three. Back in my hometown, we had movies one two three, which I believe had two screens. Not even three. Uh, the, while you're there, they they can get out. People can get out their phones. They can get out their personal computers and connect to the Wi-Fi. They can use any number of internet connected devices to go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax where they can kick in. That's right. It's as little as a dollar a month. And what does that do? Oh, well, not much. It just helps me and Matt keep doing this show and pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. We did our last episode, the, t- the top of the last episode on a Sunday, so it hasn't been that long. So we don't have any new names to read on the show this week. But thank you to everyone who is a patron over on our Patreon. We we really appreciate your support. Uh, we are currently at 405 patrons 
uh, 15 shy of the funny weed number. You can help us get back to the funny weed number. If, uh, if you come back to the Patreon, if you were on it and have left, or if you join up on the Patreon for the first time to help us out, uh, with, with a little bit of cash every month. As a patron, you get every single episode of the show, this show, our weekly show, as well as Comics Catch-Up, Every Story Ever, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. You get every one of those shows completely ad-free. You help make those shows happen as well. Uh, and isn't that nice to feel like you're supporting independent podcast creators? You can also get other cool stuff, including bonus content that includes bonus audio that we record, outtakes from the show, or stuff that we record special. Maybe we should do a Spider-Verse BOCO, because we talked about it a lot last week, but still a lot to say about that movie that The Flash learned all the wrong lessons from, clearly. (laughs) There's the bonus content that we do chris does writing that's patreon exclusive i've written a couple of things that are patreon exclusive so uh there's that there's line stepping privileges for stuff like every story ever and thursday night raw which we're doing on the show this week there's uh physical rewards and uh and other cool stuff over there on the patreon so if any of that sounds like something you would be interested in uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and help us out. If you're unable to help us out monetarily, which, you know, is understandable. Things happen. Sometimes you bet someone $50. That's right. Something. That's right. You, you, think the, you think the world is a reasonable place. And so you bet $50. And That's it turns right. out you're the one who's wrong. <laughs> You can uh, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify uh, or wherever it is that you get podcasts. Or tell your friends about us. I want you to tell your friends about me. We're Roar War Rocket Ajax. Those are the two catchphrase lines I think he says in The Flash. Does he say, I want you to tell your friends about me? No, I think he just says, I'm Batman. Yeah. And then he says, you want to get nuts? nuts, Let's get nuts. It's so weird that people think like that's a cool line that he says when that's just his name. He's just saying hi, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You know what he should say? He should say, you killed my parents. He should say what I'm feeling right now about losing this $50 bet, which is the world only makes sense when you force it to. <laughs> Chris, it's time for some checks and recs. What do you say? I think we should do it. What do you have to check in with this week? Matt, it's interesting to me. That we are going to be doing a Thursday Night Raw tonight, because I'm very excited mm-hmm. about it. We haven't done it in a little bit, and I'm I'm quite looking forward to discussing one of my favorite topics uh, with you, which is people doing rad shit in comic Indeed. books. Uh, but it's especially interesting because this is the first time that we will have done Thursday Night Raw since 
I started reading Berserk. A comic that is raw moment after raw moment. Yeah, a comic that's like nothing but raw moments. <laughs> kind of like, like I'm 314 pages into this thing. Uh-huh. And it's nothing, it's raw moments loosely connected by narrative. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like that is, the, that is what I, that is my evaluation of the Black Swordsman arc. The Black Swordsman arc is way more just like, here's some raw shit. Here's some raw shit. Here's some raw shit. Once it's you get into just dudes getting their heads cut in half. <laughs> yes. I mean, there is more of that for sure. As the book goes on. But as you get into the Golden Age arc, it is more narrative and less, not less raw, but like the the narrative connection is less loose. It's it's tighter <laughs> once you get into the Golden Age. Yeah, like literally the first thing that happens in that book is that Guts walks into a bar, tells the bartender, hey, I'm about to fuck this place up, and then shoots a bunch of dudes in the fucking face. Let's be clear. The first thing that happens is he fucks and kills right. a demon. <laughs> yeah, that is actually the first thing that happens. Sorry, I forgot about that part. <laughs> it's easy like to forget about open. that part. That's the cold open, yeah. That's your that's your uh, James Bond beating up that dude in the bathroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then, yes, he goes to a bar, and they're hassling someone, and he, he shoots a bunch of guys in the face. Yeah. Like... With a crossbow, like a dude gets shot through the nose, like from the side, mm-hmm. and then that dude shows up again later, and his nose is all fucked up. <laughs> Matt, I texted you the, the other day. Do you? I don't know how clear your memories of the Black Swordsman arc are, but do you? Do you want to guess why I texted you? Man, guts fucks a lot of dudes up. <laughs> uh. My thought would be uh, that, um, like, warlord, demon, that he unveils his arm cannon against. No, because I did know that was going to happen. That's in the anime. Yeah. 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 That might have been in the Dreamcast game, which I did play back in the day. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. It was was the part where um, that guy comes out. And he's like the big, he's like the boss soldier. He's like the boss town guard. That's at the start of the Golden Age arc. Yes. Is it? He fucks that guy up. <laughs> the guy that he like swings the, the big hammer at him and he swings his sword at him and breaks the hammer and sends it into the guy's own face. Yes. That owns. He's like a kid in that part, right? That's like at the very no, beginning no, no. of the Golden. This is still this is still in the Black Swordsman arc. He might do that to Probably. multiple dudes. I would not be surprised. He he. There's a similar fight with a soldier guy in at the beginning of the Golden Age arc. Yeah, man. Berserk. It's, yeah, man. It's it's, it's comics. <laughs> it is definitely comics. It's comics where people just get fully fucked up. And you know what? That's kind of what I like to read sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am excited to... Uh, I I don't really have a concept of how long the arcs are in Berserk. So 
I'm trying to get it done so we can do comics catch up, but I'm still, he's still an adult trying to find some demon dudes walking around cutting dudes heads in half. So I don't know if I'll get there soon, but I am looking forward to discussing it with you because man, dudes get fucked up in that book. They really do. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to this week while I've been enjoying Berserk? Well, Chris, I, I know we have kind of a standing rule on this show that we we don't like bummers. We're not yeah, we, we we're not in the keep, keep it light. Keep it happy. Yeah. But two things happened within the past couple weeks in comics that I do feel like we need to talk about and address on the show. One is the death of John Romita senior senior at uh, he was 87, I think. Uh, I think that's the right age. And 83, 83, not 87. And I, he's, if he's not the last of the, original Marvel bullpen guys, he's one of them. He might yeah, be the he very last. does seem like he is the last of that generation of, like, big creators, for sure. Yeah. And it's it's not like John Romita Sr. didn't get his flowers in his life. Somebody mentioned that, you know, because he drew so much of the art that was on, like, spider-man merchandise for years and years he might be the comic artist that people have seen the most like see the most people have seen his art yeah it's like it's like him and jose luis garcia lopez at dc yeah because they were like the guys who made all the the stuff like made all the character sheets, made all the the model sheets. Yeah, John Romita Sr. Like, if people don't know, in addition to being like, you know, a major artist, um, I believe it was when Kirby turned down the job of art director at Marvel uh, because he just wasn't happy with the company. Uh, it wound up being John Romita, so he was art director for Marvel Comics for a, a pretty significant amount of time. Also, the second I got his age wrong both times, he was ninety three. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was going to say like I actually thought eighty three sounded a little bit young, but yeah, he was ninety three. Uh, so a, a good long life and and got plenty of kudos over his lifetime, but probably could have gotten more. He drew Spider Man no more. <laughs> like so, there's yeah. really no, there's really no amount of praise that you can give to the guy who drew spider-man no more yeah for sure we also had the passing of ian mcginty who is not someone we ever had on the show but is an artist whose work i was pretty familiar with and who i met at some cons over the years like Many of the years I would go to the the big convention in Memphis, I would see Ian uh, at 
at that show. He would he would also be at those convention that convention. And I always just like really dug his work and really liked the stuff he was putting out there. And you know, that that's somebody else who like was doing great work, but I don't know if he got told all that much by people, hey, this is great. And I could have done a better job of it. And it just feels like, you know, this all happened to be the week right after I turned 40 that this stuff happened. And it got me thinking about a lot of different things about like the grind of comics and, and the grind of like trying to do creative work and how much of doing that work kind of happens in a vacuum. And even if people like when you make a book and you put it out into the world and if even if people like it, you don't really know. Like I've, I've put a few books out of the world and I hope people like them and people have told me that they like them. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I hope it, enriched somebody's life in some way but it's hard to say for sure and i think a lot of creative people go through that and have those feelings of like does my work matter to people am i making people's lives better am i having an impact and just with with those two deaths it's just been really weighing on me like to say, and and this goes for me as much as anybody else, um, if you like something somebody did, if you liked their work, if it enriched your life, if it made your day better, figure out a way to let them know about it. Try to let them know about it. Don't bother them. Don't, you know, go nuts in their mentions or 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 try to have some deeper parasocial relationship, but let them know that you like what they did so they can get their flowers now. Cause you don't know how long somebody's going to be around. Maybe they'll be around for 93 years or maybe they'll go way too young. Like Ian did. Yeah. Ian McGinty. That was a, it was it, it was a tragic one, but it was also, I think, for you and I, like you mentioned, you just turned 40, uh, and Ian McGinney was 38. Yeah. And that is, you and I are both 40 right now. My birthday's in a, in a couple months, and I have had friends in comics uh, pass away suddenly, and much too young. Uh, but this is the first time someone that I, you know, was, was not friends with but that i knew through comics was younger it hit me hard and i i don't know what happened i haven't talked to ian in a long time i you know i'd only ever seen him at cons here and there uh but it it sucks that it happened and it sucks to think that people that he might not have known how much he meant to people and I, I don't want that to happen to people that do really great stuff that that makes people's lives richer. So 
just some thoughts about that. And I don't want to be a bummer about it, but just a good, I feel like it's just a good reminder to, to say if somebody's work had an impact on you, let them know. However, however that can, you can do that. Let them know. Uh, time for some recommendations, Chris. What do you have to recommend? I have only been playing Zelda. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. Look, folks, you're just going to have to deal with it. That's the thing I do now. And now, we'll be doing this. Is even after long. this is after you got all the shrines? Yes, because okay. I had to get all the light roots. Of course, yeah, I had to get them all, and I gotta say. I am equally disappointed with what I got for getting all the light roots. <laughs> Which I kind of like, I will say this. I kind of love it. I kind of love that you do all this stuff and the game's like, Hey, good job. Nice. And that's it. There is, I, I there do, is nothing else. I do kind of appreciate though, that like the really good stuff you get, is for just kind of doing stuff in the game yeah. instead of like completionist things. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean, like, the, and again, it's not like you don't get rewarded for, for getting all the shrines anyway. You get, you know, the hearts and the stamina. Like, it is progression, but it's definitely like a, it is funny to me that the reason I did it in Breath of the Wild was because I wanted Link's real clothes. Right. Which didn't look right. By the time I got them. And then this time it's just like, literally, it is an outfit I will never wear. And just a thing that says, look at what you did. Sure. It's, it's, it's interesting, though. Like, I feel like the really big rewards in that game are from, or are for traveling to places you might not otherwise travel and fighting really hard fights. Yeah. Like. You get to beat five Lynels in a Colosseum to get uh, Majora's Mask. <laughs> Ooh, where's that? I, sh- I should go get that. I don't have that yet. I, I, I need some, some Lynel parts. Oh, man. that's In addition to getting Majora's Mask, you also get some good-ass Lynel parts to make weapons out of. Um, I, I'll, I'll, it's in a Colosseum in the Depths. All right. Um, All right. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'm still doing some exploring. Okay. But yeah, like, sorry, everybody. That's what I'm doing. Guess what? It's a real good video game. Mm. Yeah, it is a very good video game. I've been, a lot of my free time has been devoted to uh, Tears of the Kingdom as well. Yeah. I will say, if you want, like, an actual separate recommendation, uh, I believe we've mentioned the YouTube channel uh, Daryl Talks Games before. He did a very fun video uh, that is called Tears of the Kingdom Wants You to Cheat. That is all about how the game does not mind and, in fact, encourages you to not necessarily do things in the prescribed way. Like, it gives you the option to be like, Hey, do you want to do this puzzle or do you just want to like, you know, blow through it with some weird thing that you came up with? Uh, and the, the game also teaches you how to do that. Yeah. Like without it's, even realizing it, which I think is very fun. I, I was thinking about this the other game, uh, the other day, because 
I haven't watched any of these videos because I don't want to hear it, but every once in a while, YouTube will recommend to me a video that's like, why I didn't like Tears of the Kingdom. And I don't care what those people have to say. Yeah, I, I try not to put wrong thoughts into my head. But I imagine that they may say something to the effect of, there's no new map, there's just like new sky islands and some stuff in the depths and but the main just, map is really a new map that is the size of the existing map but okay that's yes yes but you know like the, the fact that the existing map from breath of the wild is is in there like i i can imagine an argument that's like it's just like it's it's basically just fancy dlc or whatever even though i mean it the world is totally different even though it reuses that map but nonetheless it 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 got me thinking though about like the idea of like what do you want from a video game you know do you want new locations new missions like a a new thing to do or or do you want a new playground or do you want new playground equipment do you want new mechanics and ideas because mm-hmm. tears of the kingdom let's let's accept that it still has the same map of the overworld but what's new is like all the stuff you can do in it yeah like all that shit you can build and sometimes i'm not interested in the shit i can build and sometimes i am um but uh, yeah like it's interesting to think about specifically for that game because honestly, I've never played an open world game that reused a map. Yeah, it is interesting, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I had a moment of. Uh, there's a mission where you have to like go around Hyrule Castle looking for Zelda, whose name is in the title of the game. Uh-huh. Uh And I. <laughs> I missed i was too zoomed in on the map to see where to go next i just missed that there was a a waypoint marker yeah and so i literally was relying on my memory of breath of the wild and being like okay well i know zelda has a study around here so i should go find that uh which was a very cool thing because i have these you know, I I put a lot of time into Breath of the Wild. I was pretty familiar with that world. And so to experience like to experience the world that is the same, and it's not like it's not a like a like going back to Liberty City, you know? Which is so different in GTA four than it was in GTA three. Right. Yeah, like totally different. Being able to use my memories of this world to navigate it is really interesting because then you go like, oh well, that's different. That's changed. This thing that used to be here isn't here. Uh which I think is funny. It's it's interesting to me. I think yeah. it's well done. Yeah. I think it's a good game. But yeah, uh that video and then Polygon put out a thing about like all the little touches that they really like in in Zelda. And I think it is a a very fun 
little tribute to just how thoughtful the game design is. Because it's, say what you will, it is a thoughtful game. For sure. They put some thinking into it. And honestly, that's all I ever want. Uh, Matt, what is your recommendation? Is it something that you have also recommended four times in a row? No, it is... I, I mean, I have been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom. Berserk and but... Zelda, folks, we don't like new stuff. We just <laughs> like the stuff we already like. I, I mentioned this on the show, and I said I was going to listen to it, and I did. Because as I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, I've been listening to a lot of music. Because, you know, the music in Tears of the Kingdom is great, but you hear it a lot over and over again. So... I've I've been listening to music as I play, and so I listened to the Girl Talk album that he released last year. It's called Full Court Press that he did with a group of other with with a group of rappers. So it's not like the old Girl Talk mashup albums. So in some ways, it is not what you want. I think, Chris, when I mentioned this to you, you said, that's not what I want. Right. And you're right. It's not what you want. But it's still good. Uh, it's it's Girl Talk, Wiz Khalifa, Big Crit, and Smoke Dizza. And Big Crit is amazing to begin with. Like, uh, I can't remember what his album was from a couple of years ago. Um, but... I think it's just Crit is here. Um, that album is fantastic, uh, and everybody should listen to it. But the album that Girl Talk made with th- those three rappers, Full Court Press, while it may not be exactly the album you want from Girl Talk, it is really good and worth listening to. And a pretty quick listen, too. I think it's maybe like half an hour long. So, uh, that is my recommendation. The, uh, the Girl Talk, Wiz Khalifa, Big Crit, Smoke Dizza album from 2022, Full Court Press. Chris, those are our checks and recs, which means it's time for us to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it, Matt. There are actually two Texter's Choice winners this week. Unprecedented, Matt. Yeah. Unprecedented. Uh, the first is the book you texted me about. Which uh-huh. is in Time number four, the Thing team up book by Steve Scrochi and Brian Valenza, in which in this issue he teams up with Doctor Doom. Yes, Doctor Doom, who is implied to be like an old Doctor Doom. Yes, not, you don't know because you know he's not. You know what Doctor Doom looks like. Well, <laughs> can't really see him. Ben Grimm assumes he's old because he's drinking prune juice. And he says he's got like old man vibes, which I think is very fun. <laughs> yeah. Cause there, partly because there is no comic book character in comics who has more old man vibes than Ben Grimm. That's true. And Ben Grimm in story is probably 35. Yeah. But he feels like he's 60. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, it's that is true. They're on a wavelength. There's a real odd couple energy in this issue 
because this Doctor Doom and Ben Grimm are trapped in kind of a void, I guess you might call it. Ben got sent here last issue, and Doctor Doom got sent here by the Psychopomp because Psychopomp showed up in his laboratory and started stealing shit. <laughs> and Dr. Like Doom tried to stop him and got, and got sit here instead. I love that, that Dr. Doom tried to stop him and got sent to the void, but also Dr. Doom is Dr. Doom. So he had like a space station in his pocket. Yes. That he shrunk down with pin particles so that he would have a spaceship if, or if he needed one. That's pretty great. Now, I have a feeling I know why you texted me about this issue. Oh, Which, yeah. Matt. What, what, what you sent me was, hey, you got to reclobber in time. The concept of Dr. Doom feeding Ben Grimm some like weird Latvian fish and bird dish that he calls he calls chai vap chichi or chi vap chichi i think when ben grimm's just like i just want a burger and dr doom's like no you have to eat this this is this is a delicacy in latveria and then later in the issue dr doom is eating a burger uh-huh and ben grimm gets mad at him about it that is that is to me perfect storytelling. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's part of it. Like I think Clobberin' Time has been really fun in general. Uh just, you know, kind of a hoot of a big old fight comic about like like it's Marvel 2 in 1, right? Like it's 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 Ben Grimm teaming up with somebody and fighting a guy. And if there's one thing that is demonstrably our shit, it is that. So that is one of the one of the reasons for sure that I wanted you to read this. The other reason is the last page reveal that the villain of this comic, that's right, is the hero that could be you. <laughs> oh, yes. He's Captain Universe. He's Captain Universe, yeah. yeah. Who talk about a delightful cut. I don't know how deep Captain Universe is for a certain particularly for a certain kind of comics reader, you know, right. the old kind. <laughs> but getting the, the guy who hates Marvel superheroes, getting this weird post-apocalyptic bootleg version of the Captain Universe powers is great. That's, it is. That's perfect Marvel Comics bullshit. There's so much Marvel Comics bullshit in this issue, or so much just like fun storytelling, that we're it's taking us this long to mention Tuva Two, the Unwatcher, mm-hmm. who gets involved in everything. Yeah, who is the not narrator, but like the recap page narrator of this series, uh, which is is there's a lot of fun in this comic. Uh, yeah. Steve Scrooge is pretty clearly like having a good time uh to the point of this book giving me some real kyle starks vibes that's true uh, the book that this reminds me of the most honestly is the beta ray bill daniel warren johnson comic mm-hmm. not because there are wrestling moves in it but because it's just like giving someone 
who can draw really well and also can can write kind of carte blanche to do whatever they want with some Marvel shit and have fun with it. And yeah. that's what this book feels like. Yeah, it is very much a a comic that feels like the the directive was go nuts. Yeah. And you kind of know that because the villain gets Captain Universe powers. <laughs> Great stuff. Very fun book. Good stuff. Uh, the second texture choice of the week is Doctor Strange number four, which I texted you about. And my text to you was, Doctor Strange number four has a ghost strike. Yes. There are ghosts at the start of this issue that talk about collective action, and they bring in a, a, an attorney from who's associated with Wand to look over their contracts with a demon to find a way out of their demon ghost contract. And uh, that fucking rules. Yeah, and then um, not only that, not only that, but then they, when they decide on collective action, because they're minors. Did we mention they were minors? They're ghost Because they're minors, minors yeah. being exploited by demonic robber barons? Brilliant. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Love it. When they, de- when they decide on collective action, all these ghosts turn into one big ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's their collective action, which is funny because I feel like that is also, that is both a good joke about unions and collective action uh, and a reminder that we're all stronger together uh, than, than they are, friends. Uh, support, your, support your unions, except for cops. Uh, but also, like, it feels like a kind of throwback to the collective man. The Marvel Comics character who has the powers of everyone who believes in communism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comics are dumb. I love them. I love them so much. This issue is also pretty much like full on a backdoor pilot for a wand series. And I could not be more into that idea. Yeah. I I hope that we get Jid McKay on Doctor Strange for like a good, good long time, which yeah. we kind of have, but over the course of three different three series. series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I really want Wand to be a part of this book and a part of the Marvel Universe. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's such a fun idea. It's really setting up Wand to be a thing, right? Because you've got Pandora Peters, who describes herself as an agent of Wand, but who is the director. Yeah, there's three members of Wand. <laughs> there's Pandora Peters, there's Wong, and there's Dr. Z, who is the attorney I was mentioning earlier. He's kind of just like the catch-all brainy guy. But like, they're investigating the deaths of all these like evil sorcerers and and people doing other like otherworldly shit. And there's this like inherent conflict between Wong and P- Pandora Peters where like Wong wants to do things in quote unquote a better way while Pandora wants to kind of just like 
keep doing the spy shit she's always done, which might involve killing if she deems it necessary. And I feel like that's just a great setup for like something that could perpetuate for a long time. Again, I feel like this is a backdoor pilot. This issue is a backdoor pilot for a wand series, and it should happen. Yeah. Definitely. Also, I don't think we mentioned any of the creators. Uh, Jed McKay, our guest last week, is the writer. Andy McDonald is the guest artist on this issue and does a great job. Um, just like very fun, very good stuff. Uh, this Doctor Strange series is great. One last book you wanted to talk about, Chris, is the excellent number four. Yeah, uh, this this comic, it is so weird that it's happening. This, very much in the same way of, of Clubber and Time feeling like uh, somebody just told like Steve Scrooge to, to go wild, this comic doesn't even feel like someone telling Peter Milligan and Mike Allred to go wild. It feels like they're just doing it. Like it feels, it feels like they're ecstatics fan comic that they just kept on making. Like no one told them that ecstatics wasn't coming out anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and as someone who like really, really liked ecstatics, obviously, uh, you know, if you uh, picked up the Ectomen uh, ninety two uh, paperback that came out uh, reprinted finally uh, last week. Uh, you'll know that we put Dead Girl in there because uh, we we love Ecstatic so much. So it is it is weird to just get the next five issues of the X Force slash Ecstatic slash Excellent uh, saga coming out in a book that is about how much social media sucks. Uh, it's it's a good comic. I feel like that's an idea we're all coming around on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even feel like, you know, it doesn't even feel like a comic that you would expect from, I mean, let's, let's be honest, like two older dudes who have been doing comics for 30 years, uh, being like, ah, social media. It's a comic about how bad social media is in a way that we all know. It's, I mean, it's extremely bad. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It's it's the absolute pits. Uh, but yeah, this is a good comic about it. All right, Chris. That's going to do it for our comics review segment, which means it's time to determine the rawest moments in all of comics. Oh, I cannot wait. Time for Thursday Night Raw. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. All right, Chris. Our first submission for Thursday Night Raw this time around comes to us from Charles Arthur. And this, this is the first Thursday night raw submission that has not only the submission, but a justification for why they think it's raw. Okay. That's interesting because I feel like if you have to convince us, then we're probably not going to think it's all that raw, but I'm, Uh, I'm willing to to 
see what there is to say. I'm I'm just going to read the email in its entirety, and then we can make our determination. Okay. I'm reading through the Winter Soldier trade, and the issue The Lonesome Death of Jack Monroe, which is Captain America Volume 5, Issue 7, written by Ed Brubaker and penciled by guest artist John Paul Leon, ends so raw in my eyes. To have Jack struggling so long to do the right thing despite his mental health issues and feeling like an imposter in his own life, to have all, all that end with him being murdered without ceremony, without a fight, as a pawn in someone else's plan is pretty hard to read. What makes it even worse, we all know exactly how it's going to end because the exact scene of his death is depicted at the end of the previous issue. This The issue is kind of unnecessary, but that's what makes it raw. It executes the minor comics character dies in the event trope, and then makes you turn around and stare for an entire issue at the egg that had to be broken to make the omelet. It doesn't make Jack's death more important, but it makes it tragic. And in hindsight, of all things, it's a wild trick. Brubaker pulled, and I think it paid off. What number is that? It is... uh, Issue seven of the Brubaker run of Captain America, the first Brubaker run. This is, yeah, this is uh, Brubaker, and as as uh, Charles Arthur said, uh, John Polion. I mean, it's pretty good. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I get, I get, I get the reasoning. I get the reasoning. But it's 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 a weird moment to include with the stuff that we have also like. It's not going to get you hyped up. You no, know? if anything, it's like kind of deflating. Well, it's 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 good and it's emotionally affecting, but I don't think it counts as as raw in the way that we mean it. Well, I think the response, like we talk about the response of to to a raw moment being like, take your shirt off, right? Yeah. I feel like the response to this. It's been like a helicopter, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the response to this is more of a what? What is going on kind of thing? Where when Bucky shows up and, you know, kills Jack at the end of the issue after all, you know, seeing Jack trying to get his shit together for an entire issue. Yeah. It is something that I think we've talked about before, but like if someone described to you the Brubaker, Epting, Michael Lark, John Polion, like issues of Captain America, they would sound like the worst comics. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we know they're not because it's been 15 years, almost 20 years since yeah. those comics came out. But, like, yeah, yeah, it's a comic all about how uh, Jack Monroe, Nomad, like, he sucks. And, like, he's he's kind of losing himself in violence because, you know, he's, like, a real messed up dude. And then uh, he gets shot and stuffed in his trunk by Bucky. Yeah, Bucky comes back and has a robot arm. 
That sounds like a bad comic. But it's a good comic. But it's a good comic, actually. So, yeah, like, the depiction of Jack Monroe, like, just having a real bad time of it, but still trying to be nomad and trying to, like, not not even to live up to Captain America's standards, but to live up to Bucky's standards is is a a wild ride but it's not it doesn't make me want to take my shirt off yeah it's because the issue is all from the perspective of nomad it's a it's it, it like i said it's it's kind of deflating but in a way that makes you want to keep reading to figure out what the hell is going on so it's effective, but I don't think I would call it raw. Yeah. Ultimately. It's it's good comics, and it's emotionally affecting comics, and it's like well-told comics. I mean, it's Ed Brubaker and John Polyon. So, you yeah. know. And it's especially like, you know, I feel like it, having gone through the entire Grunewald run recently... And like it is, it is true to this version of Jack Monroe that like Risk from the Teen Titans robbing convenience stores because his arm got ripped off. <laughs> it was not, you know. Yeah, to use just an example that comes to mind, like I, I want to make very clear that we like this comic and we think this moment is good, but it's not. It perhaps doesn't quite rise to the level of raw. I feel like this is raw in the more traditional sense of like raw, like a wound, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But not raw by our definition. Yeah. Uh, all right. Scott Hazelwood sent us this entry. Uh, Scott says, my previous list violated the rules, sorry. So I'm picking the cream of the crop. He said in parentheses, Macho Man voice. Okay, you did a great job with that, man. The cream of the crop. Because the cream uh, always raises to the top. Whoa. Hey, what's with the cup? My favorite <laughs> thing we never said. Pretty good, pretty good Mean Gene stuff. Hey, what's mean with Gene, the cup? Secret sauce in in so much of that. Yeah, uh, Scott's entry is Spider Man thirty three, where Spider Man lifts the heavy thing and says, "I did it. I'm free." Fuck, that's pretty okay. raw. <laughs> I was gonna say that's not raw, <laughs> but that's wrong. Yeah, no, that's it, wrong. It's it it is take your shirt off raw. It is. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cuz like cuz cuz you know like Thor couldn't do it. And the Hulk yeah. couldn't do it. But 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 Spider-Man could. Like he did it. Matt. He's free. Yeah, um Yeah, I don't know if we have made this clear. 
but that is the best comic book ever published. <laughs> like, again, if you don't like that, comics, pro- like, particularly Marvel comics, aren't for you. By and large, by and large, you're you're not going to have a good time trying to read Marvel comics if yeah. that moment is not one that you enjoy. Yeah, man. Just it's so good. <laughs> it's it, it it's a take your shirt off moment because of everything that comes before it. It is because like it is a the- testament. Go on. Well, it's just if it was just Spider-Man lifts a heavy thing, that would just be like, okay, yeah, he's got radioactive blood. Listen, bud, he can do some wild shit. He's got radioactive blood, but it's 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 about how he wouldn't have been able to do it until he thought about how he, if he doesn't get out of there. Aunt May is in trouble. And that's that's what makes that good fucking comics. Yeah, man. Like, it's especially good. Like, I remember being a kid, I only had, like, it was in the uh, the, the Very Best of Spider-Man paperback that I read mm-hmm. until the binding gave out. Um, and so I only had 33. But, like, if you go back and read 31, 32, and 33, like, 32, like... Spider-Man has a hell of a fight. Like, he fights a bunch of dudes, and then he fights Doc Ock. Yeah. And, like, it, it is a real knockdown, drag-out fight. And that's it's one of those things where it's like, it, it, how does it get any bigger than this? Because that issue ends with him going, I failed just now when it counted the most. I failed. And then that's how the next issue starts. And listen, it's not just the Spider-Man lifts up a heavy thing. You've seen Homecoming. You know that there's a lot to it. But it's five pages of Spider-Man trying to lift that heavy thing. And that's five Silver Age pages. And I don't think we talk about this enough. But page one is your introductory page where it kind of recaps everything. You get the I Failed panel. Page two is seven panels. Page three is six panels. Page four is four panels. Page five is a splash. It's a testament to Steve Ditko as a master storyteller. Stand to, because I do like the -the over-the-top operatic dialogue of this scene. You know, it's, it's, it's stand at his best, but the pacing, the straining, the humanity, and then he fucking lifts it up. Oh. And then the rest of that issue, too, where he's like basically limp, getting swept along by the current for another three pages, and then he has to fight like six more dudes. <laughs> it's a good comic, y'all. I mean, look. I know that we probably 
compare too many things to pro wrestling on this podcast. But in pro wrestling, for for a wrestler to be an effective babyface, to be an effective good guy, there is a tried and true match style, match setup, match progression that happens in almost every match. Where the babyface does what they call fighting out from under. Where the heel is just beating on them and beating on them and beating on them. And it looks like they can't possibly win because they're taking this horrible, horrible beating. And then after a good amount of the heel having all the offense in the match, the babyface starts their comeback in a moment that is called the hope spot. They get in one bit of offense against the heel and start their comeback against them. And this Spider-Man lifting that heavy thing, that's the hope spot. It's like the ultimate hope spot. Yeah, and like that's why a, it's good. There is a reason that Spider-Man and all of comics have gone back to this scene over and over and over again. It's good as hell. Yeah. Is it the rawest moment in comics? No. I don't I don't think it's the rawest moment in comics. It is, however, good as hell. It's good as hell, and I would even call it raw. Because you know what happens after Spider-Man lifts the heavy thing? I don't know that we've ever talked about this before. Oh, we talked about where he fights those six dudes? He has to fight six dudes. <laughs> yeah, he has to fight those six dudes. And we we get him going, yeah, these, these dudes, I'm just going to fucking let them hit me. Because I'm tired. And I'm just going to let them hit me for a minute. Because they're just normal dudes, and they don't fucking know I'm fucking Spider-Man. And so he lets those dudes beat him up, and then he's like, these guys are nothing, and flips out and beats the shit out of them. And the dudes start saying, what's holding him up? How does he keep fighting? And he's thinking, I'm fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Love is on. It's so good. It's so good. God damn. Hey, what keeps him fighting? My man loves his aunt. Honestly, He's part of me boy. feels like Yes. Part of me feels like the moment where he fights the six dudes is, is rawer than the moment when he lifts the thing. I mean the whole the whole thing, like the whole of the final chapter. Because he also like flips out on Jonah in this one too. Yeah. Like yeah. it is it is Peter at one of his there is a Spider-Man stories like to hit the same notes, you know, because there's because kind of got them right the first time. And so it's hard to do better. But every now and then Peter Parker's just fucking done. He's done. He hits a breaking point. Yeah. Good comics. Yeah. Every time Peter like, lets the mask slip a little bit is great. Yeah. 
I think it's 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 the it's like that moment from the the issue the what is it that he says to Norman? He's like, "What did you say to me?" It's just like I love it when he just like yeah. If because Peter is always trying to just like hold it together, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever he just like lets that mask slip a little bit, it's gold every time. Well, it's it's the thing that I've said about the the very interesting difference between Peter Parker and Matt Murdock, which is that Peter Parker's like first instinct is to be a bad person, like. Peter has to stop himself from being a bad person because he always kind of wants to, he wants to not stop the guy. Right. He wants to like, that's not my problem. He wants to make money as a pro wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he has to like, he has to make himself do the right thing, which is why we like him because he has that tendency towards being a kind of a shitty guy. And and so that's what makes him a good guy, because he's a like he is aware of that and he tries to, uh, to fight against it. Matt Murdock's like first instinct is to do the right thing, but he always fucks it up. <laughs> and I think that's a very yeah. interesting. Like, I think that's why those characters always go so well together, because you have Matt, who should by all rights be the morally superior one. Because he's a good person. And you have Peter, who's kind of a shit heel. But Matt always fucks it up, and Peter always tries to do the right thing. Peter makes himself yeah. do the right thing. So when you get those moments where asshole Peter comes out, <laughs> like, he's so fucking tired, and he's so fucking done, and he's been beaten up so much that he's like, fuck it, I cannot make myself be good right now. Like, I mean, he, it's good stuff, man. Like, a good well, Peter Parker about is good. Peter is always... Oh, I, I just found it. I found what it was that he said to Norman. He said, are you messing with me? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the simple stuff, yeah. Yeah, he says, are you messing with me? Like, he, said, he asks him multiple times. Because the thing is, like... What makes Peter good is the memory of Uncle Ben, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the memory of Uncle Ben is always like right in front of him. And that happens in this issue. Part of why he lifts the heavy thing, it's not just Aunt May is in danger, but also like Uncle Ben, he remembers, I got to stick around to honor the memory of Uncle Ben. Because he made me a good person. Yeah. Because like, I failed he, him. Yeah. He instilled in me anything that's good. And so he's always got like the memory of Uncle Ben like right there, like right in front of him, forcing him to do the right thing, even when his instinct is not to. But then sometimes he's just like Sometimes it slips. Yeah. <laughs> Those moments are amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. They're spectacular. They're unlimited. 
They're sensational. They're web of. They're very web of. They're very yeah. web of. But yeah, this is this is good. Is it as raw as Scourge holding the bridge? No. No. But it's good as hell. It's good comics. The, th- the thing is, like, so much of what we consider raw invo- involves a fight, right? Mm-hmm. And this, if it's if it's just lifting the thing, there's isn't a fight per se there. But when he fights those six dudes, <laughs> that's a different story. I mean, like it, but it is a str- it is a a struggle. It is a struggle. Yeah, it's not a fight, but it is like you know, it is the aftermath of a fight, and it is a struggle, which I do. I, I think. I, I think we can lump in Peter's escape from the underground or the underwater base as yeah. one event for our purpose. Because he's also got to swim out of there too, and yeah. that's pretty raw as well. Tell tell me where you think it goes. I think. I mean, I think it goes high because I think you and I like. Again, you can't talk about it without smiling, right? It's true. I think it it goes above Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is. I think it but might below. go above Captain UK beating up the Fury for ten minutes. I feel like that Fury moment is like textbook raw, though. It is. It is. I I I th- I think it's the new number five above Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, so yeah, the new number five is Spider Man. Spider Man lifts the thing. Spider Man lifts a heavy thing. All right. Uh, all right. Our next submission comes to us from David Wood. Uh, and it is from Avengers number two hundred and fourteen. Uh, oh, it, I, Matt! Without looking, without looking, uh-huh. without just hearing the num- issue number, is it when Ghost Rider kicks Thor in the face with his bike? No. No. Okay. No. It is Ghost Rider riding Thor's hammer into battle. Yeah. And kicking him in the face with his bike. Yes. Okay, so it's that's the same moment. All right. I, yeah, okay, so here's what happens. Again, without looking, I am not <laughs> looking at this comic. Thor throws his hammer at Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's like, fuck this. I'm faster than that thing. And starts riding his bike straight away from it. And goes so far so fast that, the, that Mjolnir turns around. Because he gets to, like, the range. Because I guess there's range. And when it turns around, he's like, all right. And he fucking Akira slides, grabs hold of the strap, rides that shit back to Thor, and kicks him in the face with his motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) It fucking owns. I haven't... I haven't looked at this issue in quite a long time. I uh, look. I'm. I'm just gonna say it. Who sent this in? 
David Wood. David Wood, you know about this because I wrote about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about it like 10, 10 to 15 years ago. But yeah, man. Uh, this one goes This is right. pretty dope. Fucking Ghost Rider fights the Avengers. And it's a real, like, I, f- I feel like people who came to comics in, like, post-2010 don't know that the Avengers weren't, like, a big deal. Like, they were, but they weren't, you know? Like, they've never been Marvel's top team before the movie. I mean, the X-Men was always the top team. Yeah, it was the FF in the 60s, and in the 70s to the 90s, it was the X-Men. Yeah. And that's just that's just how it was, baby. It's not surprising to me that, again, to use pro wrestling terms here on Thursday Night Raw, it's not surprising to me that, like, the Avengers were used to get Ghost Rider over. Sure. Because that's fully what this is. Ghost Rider fights the Avengers and wins by himself. He, well, he kind of wins. I mean, he 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 gets what you might call a uh, not a pyrrhic victory, but like a, a, a visual pin. If we're going to use wrestling terms again, because <laughs> by the end of the issue, they they turn him back into Johnny Blaze, and like. The Avengers, like, kind of win, but it's after the thing with the hammer and the motorcycle, Ghost Rider lays it out, where he's like, okay, I didn't, like, fuck up Thor. Like, he's fine, but I got, like, I got a win of, I I was able to humble him, R.I.P. Iron Cheek. You know? (laughs) Like, his own hammer wouldn't hit him, but I got one over on him. Yeah. Yeah. He, I would say, like, that that shit owns because it involves, I would say, if you've got a moment that involves a god, a demon, a hammer, and a motorcycle, there is a very good chance that shit gonna be raw. Yeah. Yeah. So that is probably, like, de facto the rawest moment in this comic. It might not be, though, because this comic also has that scene where Iron Man is flying around, and fucking Ghost Rider surfs on his motorcycle until Iron Man, like, hits him with the spear, and then Uh Ghost Rider jumps on his back and shoots Hellfire into his face through the holes in it, like, the eye holes in his armor, and you think Tony Stark is fucking dead. Like, you're like, wow, I can't believe Tony Stark just got his face burned off by the Ghost Rider. Yeah, and Iron Man is even saying, forgot to seal eye slits, and mouth, forgot. Like, he should be burnt. Like, his face should be burned off. The next thing that happens is he flies head first, like, he falls head first into a mountain and goes, tang! Which is pretty pretty good. (laughs) Pretty, pretty good. Uh... I, I, like you, you said that the Avengers were not like the top team. I think something that would be very hard for people to understand now 
is that none of these characters were A-list Marvel characters at the time. Maybe Cap. Cap, Not even Cap. Like, Captain America at this time was like a B-lister. Like, the A-list of Marvel in the 80s and early 90s was Spider-Man and the X-Men. They were it. They were Marvel's moneymakers. Everybody else was on the B-list. Everybody. Yeah. I, I like I I think you could of anybody in this, you could make a case for Cap. You could not make the case for Iron Man, and I doubt you could make the case for Thor. Yeah. And, and like, also like who else is in this issue? Tigra? Tigra, Yellow Jacket, uh, Wasp. The, the Angel shows up, but he's not an Avenger. He's just he's just there. He's just hanging out. He's just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. But like, which by the way, the, that's the inciting incident of this issue is that Johnny Blaze is in a bad mood and he's driving down the highway and he passes by the Angel who's like driving his convertible, talking about how great his life is. And Johnny Blaze sees Warren Worthington III and goes, fuck this guy, and then starts beating the shit out of him. That's the actual inciting incident of the comic. It's fucking hilarious. But, like, I want to make it very clear. For 25 years of Marvel Comics, Spider-Man and the X-Men were on one echelon of sales. And then there was everybody else. Yes. Like, it wasn't even close. And you could tell by who had multiple books. Like, Spider-Man had a bunch of books. There were multiple X-Men books. I guess not even in the 80s. There 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 weren't multiple X-Men books books at this time. The 90s is when we started having multiple X-Men books. Yeah, but like, if you look at who they wanted on the stands every week, it's Spider-Man and the X-Men. Yeah. And only Spider-Man got... in the 90s. And and Punisher in the 90s. And Wolverine when he, like, broke out. Like, individual X-Men characters got their own books, too. But, like, the only single character who got multiple titles was Spider-Man. Yeah. Period. And and like it wasn't guaranteed for Captain America or Thor. I mean Thor did have his own book for a long time, but there was a period where he didn't. People don't remember that. There was a period where there was no Thor comic. Where there was no Yeah, there was. Yeah. Cuz the Jurgens Jerging into mystery brought Thor back. Yeah, because there was no Thor comic. There was no Thor solo book during Heroes Reborn. Yeah. Yeah. And there wasn't a Thor solo book like after that run ended for a minute until uh, the the JMS book. There there was one. I mean, there was one pretty regularly, but yeah. Like, there have been periods of no Thor solo title, for sure. Yeah. I think that's hard for people to believe. 
but uh, 100% true. Now that all those characters are in billion-dollar movies, but go figure. Yeah, which, you know, nothing against any of those characters. Obviously, we like those characters quite a bit. But but also, <laughs> you know, they got it. they they were there to get Ghost Rider over. They're not quite as bad as the Imperial Guard, a team that only exists to get other people over. <laughs> the most enhancement talent ass uh, organization in comics, but but close, but pretty close. All right, let's rank this this moment where Spider Man or. Uh, God, <laughs> where Ghost Rider uh, rides Thor's hammer back to him. It hits him with his motor. It rules. All right, give, give, me, give me a spot. Give me a the spot. The fact that I could know from issue number, which I'm pretty bad with issue numbers. Mm-hmm. Like For someone who thinks about comics as much as I do, but the fact that I knew from the issue number exactly what this would be, it's pretty fucking tight. <laughs> I think it goes above Lockheed ripping out Sebastian Shaw's eye. Okay, so be it. Because it's, again, it's got a god, a demon, a hammer, a motorcycle. It shits on fire. It is, again, textbook raw. This is like, this should maybe be like the absolute midpoint of the list. But it's not even a midpoint. It's like, this is what raw is. It's not the most raw, but like, this is it. I think what's surprising about it is, like, you hear what it is, and you think it's from a comic from, like, 2010. But it's from a comic from 1981. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It sounds like a moment from a much later comic. It doesn't sound like something that happened in a comic in 1981. Our next entry comes to us from Jim Lou Shoemaker. Big Jim Shooter. Our next entry comes to us from Lou Shoemaker, who submits X-Men Red number five, when Magneto literally has his heart ripped out of his chest and then gets back up and says, I didn't hear no bell. That sounds pretty good. I have not read that comic. I have not read that comic either. You might need to table uh, that. That sounds pretty fucking good. I mean, we still got to. I guess we still need to do a catch up about uh, Age of Apocalypse. X Men Red, the, the new book, though, right? I don't. I don't know which X Men Red we're talking about. There have been a couple of different books called X Men Red. Okay. X Men uh, Unread, more like. Oh, it's in, it's in the new X-Men Red, though. Yeah. It's in the new X-Men Red. Because he gets his, ar- his heart fully ripped out in that. You know what I like? I like it when Magneto is fucking jacked. <laughs> like he was in 1991 when he was just like fucking ripped and wearing silk pajamas all the time. That shit was good. He does not... His line is not actually, I didn't hear no bell. It... He yeah, says, I, that, "Yeah, that's that's from Rocky Five. <laughs> so, yeah, I did not think it was actually what Magneto said. Uh, what Magneto says is, and so the seed of loss takes command, uh, 
when he he pops back up after his heart's been ripped out. I mean, that also sounds uh, pretty cool. That sounds like something Magneto would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. That's an Al Ewing comic. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> I bet it's good. I bet it's good, yeah. Uh, okay. Our next submission is from a comic we have definitely read. It's from uh, Philip Monroe. And it is Magneto putting Red Skull in a hole <laughs> for being a friggin' Nazi from <laughs> Captain America 367. Oh, uh, that I mean, that goes pretty high. We talk about that shit all the time. Make room at the top. That's one of the rare occasions. I mean, like you said a second ago, like that being raw usually like implies a fight, right? Well, they did but, fight well, before that. Yeah, but that is one of the rare occasions where, like, not having the fight is even better. True. Because they, they, they don't... They're not going to fight. Magneto's like, yeah, I'm not here to fucking fight you, dude. I'm here even to fight you did. on the fucking ground. Oh, yeah. The You're best going in part the hole. The best part of that entire thing is when Magneto's like, Hey, you're not the same Red Skull, are you? You're not like the Red Skull from World War II, are you? And Red Skull's like, yeah. Yeah, I am. I have a different body. This is... Is it it Hanukkah already? (laughs) Yeah, Red Skull's like, I have a different body. I have a cloned Steve Rogers body, but I am him. Yeah. I'm that guy. Why? Why do you ask? Well, well like, um, like he doesn't know. Like it, <laughs> it has not occurred to him that maybe the Nazis did some things. People might still be a little mad at. And some of those people have magnet powers. I mean, I guess there's a whole thing where red skull is just kind of like, look, I'm a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Well, we're both bad guys. What does it matter? Yeah, and we're both bad guys. And and Magneto's will not hear it. <laughs> Magneto's like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no, we're not actually. Yeah, um, I like that because again, I feel like this is an interesting example of a thing that we've talked about that you can't really that you have a hard time explaining to people who came to comics. In a in a different era than we did, was the idea that like like how many times in that run is Red Skull like yeah, yeah, yeah I I don't I don't believe in like Nazi stuff I'm just evil like I don't like I I'm not like super into being a Nazi I just like he he's he's like a stand up comedian man he just hates everybody. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Yeah, but except for, like, for the Red Skull, that is true. Like, he does not, he is not, like, an ideologue. And, like, the, I, I, I think it is one of the most delightful things about that comic. That the Red Skull is like, no, nah, I'm not a Nazi. I just, you know, I was a Nazi when being a Nazi was, like, the thing to do. 
and I could just be evil and try and kill everybody. But he doesn't think of it beyond that. Because to him, it's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, I'm not a Nazi. They lost. And so and I have persisted. But like Magneto is like, no, <laughs> no, you can't just stop, actually. Because I feel like that was a. People who came in after the movies don't know that Hydra was just Cobra for a long time, you know? Yeah. Or, or not that not that they don't know, but that they like were not reading comics in an era when Hydra was not necessarily a Nazi organization. Uh, in the way that like it kind of has to be now, because it was more of a supervillain thing. Like it, it right. did not have that reality to it. But this issue is like this. This issue, this is fucking Pepperidge Farm remembers, man. <laughs> I mean, well, there's that great moment where Red Skull, so like Red Skull tries to do that bargaining thing where he's like, hey, 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 let's not, let's not get all on your high horse. We're both bad guys. You you can't come in here and like talk that shit to me. Just shake my hand and we'll put the past behind us. And Magneto goes, the devil with that Nazi scum. And he, like, knocks his hand away. And then, like, Red Skull tries to get him with his his Red Skull gas. His dust of death. Yeah. And he, like, runs off to his elevator and does a Nazi salute at Magneto as he goes down his elevator. As, like, one last fuck you to Magneto. And, like, clearly Magneto had all this planned out before this, but, like... That's when Magneto's really like, I'm going to put this motherfucker in a hole. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, I, a thing that I do genuinely love about Grunewald writing the Red Skull. By the way, I feel like I should say, Magneto's right. (laughs) By the way, you can't just stop. You You can't just, you can't just say you used to be one and that's it. Uh, well, then, but then he proves he's, he wasn't. I mean, he's he was lying anyway. <laughs> yeah, because well, no. he's a fucking... Red Skull is an asshole first and everything else second. Yeah. Which is true of Nazis in general. But, but yeah, the fact that Grunewald writes the Red Skull as the biggest shit talker who cannot back it up. And I love that. I love it. And I love that this, like the dudes going, like, is it crossbones who shows up and like goes through the, the building and is like, what the fuck happened? Everything's fucked up. Cause Magneto just like, it's tore his ass off. Yeah. Ugh. Man, that shit's good. And then he just, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you. I'm gonna put you in the fucking ground, dude. You're gonna wish you were dead. That's my favorite thing he says then is like, I could kill you, but I'd rather you just wish you were dead. Yeah. And then he just clo- he's that the dark just washes over Red Skull for those last three panels. Oof. That fucking 
those panels of like Red Skull looking up because you know Red Skull's like the second that like Magneto will not admit that he is also a bad guy, that he is also a villain. Magneto's like, oh, this guy's like a fucking superhero, I guess. And so he fully expects him to treat him the way Steve Rogers would. And that like look of cut that that frozen skull face look of shock where he's like, hang on, you can't just leave me here to die. Yeah. And then Magneto's like, bye. <laughs> die slow, motherfucker. Oh, oh it's good. Oh, it's good. It's the best. It's the best. Here's my question that we will have to, I'm sure, uh, debate uh, at another time. Like, do you think this is the rawest thing that happens in that run? Mm, I mean, John Walker does John Walker fucking... flipping the fuck out is also pretty. Like, that's that is an that is intense. I think the rawest moment in the run is John Walker uh, killing all of those watchdogs. Yeah. That shit's raw as shit. Yeah, that shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yeah. Like, because not only is the, like, story itself raw, that is Kieran Dwyer going sicko. Yes. Yeah. He throws a pitchfork through a guy's body. Yeah. Like, Kieran Dwyer does a great job with this scene, but he goes full sicko mode when John Walker kills all those those watchdogs. Yeah. Yeah. Full sicko mode. Uh, Where do you want to put this one? Because this one's pretty fucking good. (laughs) It is pretty fucking good. It's... Uh, Fucking, oh, pretty fucking good, guys. I, I, you know, it's like, it. it's maybe not as good as Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is. But it's probably better than, maybe it's better, yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it might be above, it might be the new number two. I don't think it's the new number two. I think it, like. I think it might beat Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat. I think it's number th- three. The, the highest it's going to go is number three. Okay, so you think you think it goes above Boulder taking up the sword below Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat? Yeah, it's actually similar to Gordon giving Flash the baseball bat. Yeah, it's like Gordon beats the shit out of that man. Well, what what I mean is like it, it's 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 a guy trying to do what he sees as the honorable thing instead of just killing somebody or beating their ass. Wait, do you think that's like, him trying to do the honorable thing? Because I thought that I was him that. being like die slow. It well, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it is different. Flask, I mean, Gordon giving Flask the baseball bat is like, like I said the first time we talked about it. It's it's like fill your hands. 
You know, I'm going to make this a quote unquote fair fight. Yeah. I'm going to make this a fair fight so that, you know, uh, Oh, shit's good too. I guess this isn't Magneto trying to do the honorable thing. It's Magneto. No, I think it's Magneto being like, fuck this man. <laughs> trying to give the Red Skull a fate worse than death. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, anyway, it's the new number three. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty good stuff. That's pretty good stuff. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Man, now I'm just thinking though about John Walker killing all those Killing all those guys. What? That's Captain America three sixty seven. Uh, three sixty seven is where the the Magneto get, getting put in a hole happens. Yeah, yeah. Somebody please submit John Walker killing thirty fucking watchdogs. Just fucking going ape shit. It's, it's, it's sicko mode, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Sicko mode. You are correct. Uh, all right. That's got to do it for this uh, set. Of, oh, is that, is that all we have time for? That's all we have time for. Um, but we got some good ones. We got some good ones. Chewing, and we only have twenty-two things on this list. I think this one might persist to twenty twenty-four. Okay. I'm fine with that. Although, um, uh, you... I believe it is uh, Benito who has suggested what I would like to do next. Mm. If you, if you, do In you tr- want to know? Let's, we'll save it. We'll save it. Okay. But it is intriguing. Quite the tease. If you would like to send us a Thursday Night Raw submission or an Every Story Ever list or get in touch with us for some other reason, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at warrocketpod. You can hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Or you can get on our Discord and be part of the fine, fine community of uh, folks on our Discord server. Um, you have to be invited to be a part of it, so just request an invitation to the Discord server on one of the places I just mentioned, and we'll get you on. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about WarRocketAjax. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at MattDWilson.net. It has links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me right here on War Rocket Ajax. But if you'd like to read some comics that I wrote, uh, I believe I mentioned this earlier in the show, but Marvel just put out a new collection of the uh, X-Men 92 comics. It's got the the miniseries as well as the ongoing, as well as the follow-up series uh, that uh, I actually liked quite a bit that uh, Steve Fox wrote that was House of uh, House of XCII, which is very, very funny. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I get money if that sells well. So if you don't already have those comics or you just want them all in one big book, uh, go get that. That would, that, that would be nice. That'd be a nice thing to do for your parasocial friend, Chris. Yeah, you should do that. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
We'll be back next week with another episode. It's going to be a good one. Hey, you know what I like? I like comics where dudes get their fucking shit wrecked. Hell yeah, dude. That's that's the good stuff. Just dudes getting wrecked. Tell me about it. I will, right here on War Rocket Ajax. Until next time, folks, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops are not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!